What do you get when you take the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animatronics, the production of a Xeno Warrior Princess spinoff, and some of the cringiest acting of the decade? Well, of course you get the spiritual remake of the 1985 Pogasari. This is Kaiju vs. History Galgameth. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is your knight in shining armor, Patrick. And joining me is a little duty kaiju that eats shining armor knights for breakfast. It's my oh boy. Oh boy. How are you? So I'm I'm here. He looks like a poop. So the joke. He does. He he looks like the the baby from dinosaurs. If they gave him a full body, animatronic body. <laughs> also, the um, the Golgarin from the Kevin Smith film. Oh, the Golgotha yeah. from Dogma? Yeah, from Dogma. It kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> it's just a big brown heap, you know? <laughs> no man or woman born. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about Galgameth this week. Ooh, this 1996 direct to television, direct to VHS. You're kidding, really? American. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, this did not get a theatrical release, and unfortunately, that is going to be a um, that's that's going to happen a lot more with kaiju movies uh, going forward. Yeah, I, I, I man. So, what is it with American made for TV? "Quote unquote kaiju films, and and the most phoned in paid a quarter for score that you've ever heard. This one, this one hurts it a whole bunch. I only got like twenty minutes in the movie, and I was like, if this is what the score is going to be like, this is that's like an immediate full point off like of my enjoyment. It's the technical aspect. It's it's the same kind of production. I'm, like I have mentioned this before. I think I mentioned this specifically in Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman remake." But mm-hmm. a lot of it does remind me of episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, where they would have these quote unquote like scores in the mm-hmm. episode, but they're but they're these like flighty little do 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 do. Um, Full Moon uses them a little bit too, and some just of their ruins stuff. ruins the mood on a lot of the scenes. It's I kind of wish there was just no music. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I mean, because it, it it makes the movie feel even cheaper. And, and longer. <laughs> for, yeah, absolutely. And longer. And for a movie like this, like when you're doing a movie like this, you have to use everything at your disposal to make it feel like you're not watching what you're watching in, in, in so much of a made for TV, likely made for TV, made for children monster movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are so many ways that they could have gone about that and successfully still made this, you know, a more digestible picture well i i really have ruined myself because like after watching this movie um the wife and i and some friends went to symphony hall in boston and for for the boston pops tribute to john williams music oh so you watched actual symphonic scores the actual yeah best scores of the last 50 years from you know some of the i mean you can say in cinema (laughs) yeah i mean best of all time basically (laughs) and uh, then you come back and they could have just if they summoned like a a tenth of of that kind of score that that would have just 
blended into the background and been fine for this movie, but they were not able to do so. It's like hearing one of the greatest albums of all time, be that, be whatever it is that you choose. And then hear not just the kids bop version of it, but some (laughs) kids boombox recording of them doing the kids bop version of it. Yes. Is exactly what this is like. And it, it also, yeah, the, the music was not uh, mixed very well in, in the film. Uh, but, you know, if this is a spiritual remake of 1985's Pulgasari, that is what happened in that movie. That movie was ruined uh, in, in a lot of parts by some very chintzy, electronic sounding score. I wasn't super hot on Pulgasari either. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they they kept the tradition with this one of skimping out on not hiring a composer or I mean, just getting some classical music would have saved some scenes before we get into it. Cause I have a question and I don't know if you were able to find an answer for this or not, but, but before we go forward, um, what, if anything is in a title? Oh, for Galgameth. Well, we, we had a little discussion before we started recording here in the middle of recording that indeed you will find this under the current title where it's referred to, I think on IMDb, um, it, it will be called the legend of, of Galgameth. If you look for it there and in some other places, it'll just be Galgameth, which is its original title. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think not, on YouTube, I found it as the legend of Galgameth. Yeah. I think there were perhaps a VHS uh, release as the adventures of Galgameth. But yeah, but Legend of Galgameth comes up probably the most, but I'm pretty sure just Galgameth was the original title. So that's what we're going with for the title of this episode, which, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of, you know, discretion on our part on what we choose. Sometimes it's what is it most widely known internationally <laughs> as uh, for a title, right? You know, for Japanese films for example we're usually taking the international title where we can or what it's known as now as opposed to what it came out here in the u.s and what's called in japan which is you know direct translations don't often ring a lot of bells for for folks over here in the western part of the world but it did have some direct to television adaptations or you know translations in in a few countries and they changed up the title a little bit a little bit france had galgameth l'apprenti dragon the apprentice dragon galgameth miles is a dragon apparently (laughs) i mean i can could have fooled me i mean in his final form maybe but yeah i can i can i can at least see i can see the dot i can see the connection of the dots he does not look like a dragon at, at many points in this film. No, the prince's monsters, the German translation. Um, of course, it, it did come out in Japan as Garogamesu and the Invincible Warrior, El Guerrero Invincible in, in, in Espana, Espana. <laughs> Miles. What, what, what I want to talk about is the it's got a fun tagline. Miles, the tagline for this movie is a young prince. A heroic creature, a magical adventure. Yes, young, I think is an adjective that is correct here, but heroic and magical. Uh, I guess there's magic in it. There's a good deal of magic in it. Uh, that's that's one thing that, well, I mean, we'll talk about all the stuff that holds this movie back, Miles, but um, that that oh. description is is overselling a great deal. <laughs> what, yeah, what, what, is, mean, what is the story of Galgameth? <laughs> Do we um, need to recap? 
Yeah, so the story of Galgameth is a young, and they, they stress this, young cowardly prince whose father is murdered, has to, uh, I guess, take the, is it a royal family heirloom, the Galgameth creature, or is it? We don't get too much explanation about what the statue is. It's some sort of legendary creature that his father has access to the statue. But essentially, when his father dies, the the Black Knight, played by the dad from the Monster Squad. (laughs) I knew that's where you were going to go to first. Yeah. Um, yeah, One of my favorite movies of all time. Absolutely. (laughs) Stephen Mocked. As a uh, you know, pretty well known yeah, character no, actor, absolutely. Um, and done a, done his fair share of horror and horror adjacent uh, lot, stuff. Although recently did television, did, yeah, he did Suits uh, recently as well mm-hmm. as two years of General Hospital. Dude stays busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, back in the day, I probably had only seen him. On, he was on Star Trek. He was on Babylon Five for some some quick jump in some single episodes probably probably a villain in most of the he was it's on slide yeah that's right he's general Krim in d space nine yeah and um i forgot he was in an episode of sliders yeah (laughs) he's just one of those guys that i think showed up uh, a great deal here and there and of course the young prince's father is played by the director of the film how often do you see (laughs) to see that popping up (laughs) miles just casting himself as the good the good king king henrik <laughs> is is sean mcnamara um yeah directed this film i think this is his first like feature film that that he directed and went on after this to direct a ton of stuff for yeah, a lot of mostly movies. disney and i think this was sold to disney at some point because it did uh air on the disney channel yeah it a hundred so it a hundred percent has like not quite good enough to be decom, and for those who don't know, that means a Disney, Disney Channel original movie. Um, it, it has that vibe, but at the same time, like it feels like a sub decom, like not even good enough to go against like a, <laughs> your your Johnny Tsunami or Brink. Well, yeah, like, well, th- 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 those are those are are well ahead of the of this one. What's well, so interesting? We'll talk about it because there's a lot of stuff that this movie. The budget you can see in a lot of the special effects and and things later on, and they have great location. They have some great actors. They don't give them anything to do for almost two hours. What oh, feels I mean, like a full two hour film. <laughs> part of this movie is that the script is garbage, but part of it is that I mean, I feel like the production itself just feels limited. And I do have to ask if you found anything, because what in the world made Sean McNamara want to just do a version of Pogasari? Like, well, yeah. this could not have even been a super known movie in 1996. Yeah, I think, you know, um, director Shing Sang Ok of, of Pogasari, when he came over here to the U.S., he was doing... I think he was in similar circles as as Sean oh, McNamara that's right. because he did they the three did ninja movies do three ninjas. And I think they were producers that's right. on the prior three ninjas. And then that though you were, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Cause Sean McNamara does the one with Hulk Hogan and yeah. Jim Varney. N- and Knuckle, I for- Knuckle no. Up was the third one. And that's directed by Shing Sang Oak. And yes, um, 
maybe uh, pr- produced by the same production company, uh, Shin yeah. Productions. Uh, so and, and Shin Sang-ho di- uh, produced High Noon at Mega Mountain, which Sean McNamara co-wrote and directed. So, okay, mm-hmm. that I, that, I can see that them, line of thinking definitely. Okay, that makes, makes a lot sense. more sense. They're, he would they're, probably talking about it. Yeah, and, their producers like, oh yeah, I was tortured in North Korea and I had to make a a kaiju movie against my will for many years. <laughs> and they're like, what was it any good? And who knows if he had access to show him the the film even. But yeah, the, you've got the bare bones plot of Polgasari, which is giant metal eating monster helping someone win back a kingdom from a tyrannical despot. I mean, th- those bones are there and those I, plot points, those scenes that are lifted directly from Polgasari, those are fine for the most part. I think when you yeah. get into the <laughs> the sheriff of Nottingham knockoff pussycat stroking, you know, yes. not mustache twisting because he doesn't have a mustache, but super... <laughs> well, it's, it's always weird. Where it's, oh, here's this knight who takes over, and I'm like, that—that's not how any kingdom I've ever heard of works. Um, yeah, he could be. You know, if if the prince isn't old enough, there's there's usually there, there, a, there, there's stuff oh, set up, but it's not. Yeah, it, it is not someone just that some, takes over, and, and it is not some king's black knight that does it. There, there is a an actual position that moves into in, into. I mean, the entire time I was thinking. If only they had a half the amount of the production talent of Kid and King Arthur's Court, because that movie feels like it's playing on the same field, mm-hmm. but just knocking it out of the park every single time. Um, and it's I'm, not that, that that's a great movie because it's 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 fine at best for a you know live action Disney kids movie, but the entire time I'm like this this is sub Kid and King Arthur's Court the entire time. Yeah, I will say that man. Man, a lot of the the early bits of the movie where you have young Galgi, the the or I guess little Galgi, oh, are gosh, are and, you, and you know rough. they thought, oh, we got this cr- this creature, the kids are gonna go nuts over. He's so funny. I and can't wait to pick up my little Galgi Happy Meal toy, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like you can you can you can feel like the executive decisions happening and you're just like, this is the opposite of what anyone wants. <laughs> well, even baby Polgasari was pretty cute. Like they, they, they played into that early on, but I feel like it was a much shorter time period where we had to deal with that in the Polgasari film. <laughs> yeah. In Gal in Galgamet, because it's a kid's film, he, he is small for most of it. And yeah, and the really hijinks involved are like- terrible doesn't, doesn't get big until 50 minutes in maybe 45 minutes into the film where he's like, you know 10 feet he, tall or so when he's in the tavern when the kid when the kid's in the tavern which this kid's in a tavern for some reason um <laughs> and has galgameth dressed up like his ugly deaf mute sister um who then proceeds to eat the handle off a barrel of wine and i think also drinks the wine because i think they make a joke though that galgi's drunk yeah yeah, that, that part is is it's, and it, obviously that's not not anything that happened in Polgazari. <laughs> so imagine if it was. Yeah, can, <laughs> can you imagine the characters in that movie trying to hide Galgameth and, and dress him like a a geisha or <laughs> a lady in waiting or something like that? Um, we we haven't talked about too many other actors in this film. Prince Davin is played by Devin. 
Oatway <laughs> in the movie, yeah. and he is just very much carbon copy. Um, what, what's, really what's, the, like what's we, the kid of the the moment? Was it the Jonathan Taylor Thomas at this time? In '96, yeah, but like he got yeah, that it haircut. It was definitely cut from that thing. Where like, oh, we we hired an attractive modern young man to be our star. We forgot to look for any charisma whatsoever. Um, I mean, he's he's fine, but once again, he, he, they, they don't give him anything to do. They don't really. give him anything to do. But judging from what he's done before and after, I don't, I don't <laughs> look. You know, yeah, they they proofs in the they book. got him because he he looked like a an actor that can could read the lines. But you know, they, he doesn't have like an accent or anything or any kind of like flair as as Prince Davin. Now, the only the only actress or actor, but actress who seemed to show up for work is um, Jonah Stewart Bowden, who plays Julia. She she is got. I don't know if they just told everyone else. Oh, no, this one character has to have all the charisma and exude any monochrome of talent because she outacts everyone in the movie. And like her lines are still trash. It's but you're like, oh, but it's not her fault because she's. This is what happens when you have someone good mm-hmm. delivering bad lines. Like, oh, no, they're still doing it well. But she just kind of shows up everyone in this movie. Yeah. And, you know, they actually give her a little bit of uh, interesting backstory and some some things to do here and there where she she's kind of a princess. Yeah, own she right. Becomes a princess towards the end at the very least. Well, no, they, they mentioned that because well, her, her parents people, were part of the royal court, I think. Yeah. yeah her parents were the king queen of the recently freed longonians or whatever they were called yeah i I didn't pay attention to a lot of the politics mentioned in the back (laughs) backstory of this oh uh, no see you gotta you gotta pay attention because you know it's the land of donnygold it's 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 a it's a game of thrones happening right now um (laughs) yeah when when we get the extended galgameth tv series i I thought that her parents were killed and so when they pop back up i was confused as well I could have sworn she said her parents were killed. And no, I think they they were imprisoned. Maybe? Well, no, they were imprisoned. But by the end of the movie, they they they're back. Yeah. But I thought she said they were dead. Um, and I was yeah. very confused. Um, I do love that they don't have the the fake drama of you know the entire time outside of the castle because the Black Knight has been doing all these evil deeds under. Literally kicking puppies is one of the plot points is he kicks all the puppies out of the kingdom because he likes cats because he likes because he likes cats. Yeah, what an evil person who loves cats more than dogs. That's what they're trying to show. Well, they they bring up many times for him to go on these tirades about dogs or comparing people to dogs as bad things. And I'm like, they are really, really going in on the (laughs) cat versus dog angle here. Yeah. Um. (laughs) <laughs> as, as a dog and, lover yeah i was i was like taken aback I, I like both animals but i'm just like hey this is this is going heavy all right man. this is a choice um yeah. it, it's it's and, over the top in a lot of the ways but not ever to the point where it really becomes so bad it's good it is just a, a lot of bad it is i then, will say it's worth watching at least once for you know the same way polgasari is it's for sure i mean what happens in this, this is, kid's movie this is certainly, yeah, this is definitely one to imbibe some chemicals and, and you know, giggle, giggle along. I mean, because you also have, even though this this person is given absolutely 
nothing to do based on their skill set. But oh, Doug Jones the, is the most Gowdy. famous person in the movie doesn't have their face shown. Yeah. Doug, Doug Jones. I mean, to his credit, he hasn't had his face shown a lot, even even when he's in a starring role. Well, yeah, I will say before this, he had done a few years prior Hocus Pocus, which that's true as, as Billy. Became, yeah, it wasn't like super popular at the time. It became a cult classic once it started playing on the Disney Channel. <laughs> so, yeah, he, I saw he that, had that <laughs> and apparently he was a, a henchman in the Batman Returns movie. Oh, yeah, he's he's the he's the tall, thin clown. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is some of his, you know, more intense pseudomation. I shared a, a photo with you earlier of him in the big Galgameth suit, which was really interesting because uh, we, we haven't talked about it, but he's really a chunky kind of monster. And yeah. Doug Jones is very historically thin as, as a, as a post than as a uh, bundle of sticks. But yeah, in, in this movie, uh, in the in the photo, he's also next to little Galgi actor Felix um, Silla, who is is was a um, a little person who was in a a ton of movies as well. Was cousin it on the the Adams Family TV show? <laughs> so back in the nice back in the sixties, and did did a ton of of stuff. Also in Batman Returns, he was. <laughs> A penguin in Batman Returns, seriously <laughs> <laughs> enough. But it, he's one of those, you know, um, actors. When you, if you saw his face, you'd be like, "Oh, yes, him." Well, they, they were in the big and little Galgi suits, respectively. I, I wanted to get your take. We've already heard about little Galgi, but what did you think about the summation of big big Galgi, as they call him in um, TV? <laughs> Yeah, so Big Galgi doesn't really do the film a ton of favors. Like, it's not an awful design. It really isn't. Um, but everyone who complains about kaiju films being filmed in the daylight, this movie is a great example as to why they don't always do that. Um, yeah. the, the final scenes are at night, and it's yeah, and such it looks great. an improvement. <laughs> it's unbelievable how much better the suit looks like and how much of the special effects kind of interference between you know figures in the foreground or, or whatever kind of camera trickery they're doing how much of that is kind of um, glossed over in in those nighttime shots there's only really two nighttime scenes with with galgameth at night but the the end scene is great i will say it yeah looks amazing and it does and i mean part of the problem is the setting of this movie it's a medieval kaiju film or monster movie. Oh yeah, it doesn't make any sense really. <laughs> no, but he's also just I mean he's he's tottering around the hillside and so one there's nothing Doug Jones can do to make that work. It's it's a poorly conceived thing. You can have daytime stuff, but there's nothing interesting. This is why I don't always like stuff that's set in this era for these these movies is like outside of, you know, him storming a a city the, yeah. or a village or a the, castle, there's the nothing to do. The end bit is the only time you really get him scaled correctly against right. the the castle. And that destruction looks really good. They had some great miniature work. The special effects coordinator for the film, I just had it up. And and this is certainly uh, was, not the fault was Rob, of... Robert Hutchins and... 
So a couple of people, uh, David Allen did visual effects, um, was, was a supervisor for visual effects and did a ton of full moon productions, including some of the puppet master films. So they had some pretty talented folks behind the, the, the camera on the special effects team. I don't know if I think the suit was a success or not. If it's supposed to look like yeah, a dragon, it's, it's not a great it's, dragon. <laughs> it's not great. It's not awful but like the way they chose and this is why i'm blaming the writer director not blaming doug jones at all Mm -hmm. um he was he was he fulfilled what was being asked of him but they made these choices by script or by by uh by camera to do what they were doing and there there just isn't anything interesting that they can they can do and it feels and i mean based off of the the writer and the director's previous and future credits they just don't know how monster movies work mm. and they certainly didn't know how they didn't learn from prior monster movies to make this one successful. And even which is why I don't think he saw Polgasari. I think he heard about Polgasari from director. Sangok. And I really think that's what, what contributes to this film being more of a chore to watch than it should have been, because this really could have been like for a kid's movie, an easy layup. There, there are so many beats that okay, this works as a kids movie. This, this, these things function. Okay, the two kids are the romantic leads, and they're doing a good job. So we, we, we kind of make it a little bit above your your typical eight to ten movie. It kind of feels a little bit more in the PG PG thirteen tween mm-hmm. range. Yeah, I don't but, know. The, the baby galgi stuff drags it down a little bit. Oh no, I, I don't disagree. Although the some of the baby galgi stuff has like. Well, we'll talk about favorite scenes, um, despite the the critical amount of things I have to say about Baby Galgi and it kind of ruining the picture. Um, I yeah, I just I think this movie is a mess, and I think it's a mess because you have talented people, but you also have head creatives who don't understand what makes a monster movie work. I don't think they care about what makes a monster how what what, what makes a monster movie work. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I say they're making movie, a kid's movie first, maybe. In right. A, and I say in monster IG movie film. in the American context. I don't think they're thinking about kaiju at all, really. Um, and this certainly feels like that. And I think that's what contributes this movie being such a chore. Yeah, I, I, I can see. Yeah, I mean, the, it is so weird because we have such a direct film to compare it to in Polgasari, you know, by the same you know, story lead in, in the, the director scenes lifted completely out of that film, put into this one and have a a great way to compare it, you know, and to be clear, my personal rating for Polgasari was a three. So yeah, (laughs) that's wild. That one is so much more watchable in a lot of ways. (laughs) We we, we are not working with material that I'm, I'm already on board with. So, so this is, this is a a battle for me to begin with. Difference is, you know, whether they wanted to or not, Polgasari had some really at the you know height of a lot of their work, best special effects coordinators, suit mators, suit actors from Toho in in 1985. They're just coming off of making another new Godzilla movie, and they had those parts of the production pretty well wrapped up. Whether, like I said, they were willing or not, they were brought right. to North Korea and, and you know, made to make that movie. The story is not dissimilar from this film 
because, I mean, we got Doug Jones. We have a very capable special effects team who we st- we still got the movie we got. Yeah, they're not Toho, though, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's hard I mean, to I would, compare. I would, I would compare Doug Jones on the level of any any Toho actor, to be honest. I mean, he, he gets very good at pseudomating monsters later on. I think looking at I mean, this not, picture. Not that for, I mean, he, like he like this is like two, two or three years removed from him being the lead gentleman in Hush. Yeah, but, but I mean, I think and he suits, and, and we saw how good he was in Hocus Pocus. So like once I again, think I. The, the suit that they give, gave him, I don't think he's got the same movement as an Abe Sapien, you know, from no, you know, but I also think it's a bad suit shape of, of water. Well, what I'm saying is I don't think he had even like the full range. You know, you, you, you talk about how restrictive those first Godzilla suits were because of how heavy For they sure. were. Uh, I mean, part of, you know, some of Galgi's sluggishness might be that. It just wasn't a super well-designed suit for Doug Jones to. Oh no, I I don't disagree with that at all. But I I was just saying that you also have talented people in this movie, but they are being constrained by the fact that they're in this movie. Yeah, I'll I'll agree that because I'm I'm gonna give this point a lot of technical and enjoyment points for that aspect of the movie. I. I don't like the design of Galgameth, but I like how they were able to finish the big Galgi and get it on screen, probably even a little bit more than Polgasari, the the large Polgasari, because that right that monster just wasn't as interesting to to look at. It had a great face, but not a lot else going on. Whereas this one, <laughs> I mean, his design is all over the place, but at the very least, it was is interesting to to look at. Young Galgi really needs to be burnt in a in a fire, or however you kill Galgameth. So I, I don't like the you said the dinosaur baby from the from dinosaurs show. Not the mama. It's definitely it's definitely some live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action. Sure. There's lots of reviews of the movie online that compare it to other cursed animatronic abominations but i hope someone has that in their garage somewhere you know <laughs> the, the, the suit just creepily hanging out with those those giant eyes oh right you, you said you want to talk about your your favorite scene what 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 really does it for you in this movie miles um okay for the scene that works for me it's so stupid oh boy it's, it's when Gal- when baby Galgi meets the cat for the first time and just sucker punches <laughs> in the face, I freaking died. It's so funny. It's so stupid. It's, yeah. But I was I, I I was just like, what's gonna happen here? He just sucker punches this cat, and I just <laughs> lost it. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, he's a little pip that young Galgi for sure. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's 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 literally the best scene in the entire film. <laughs> no, I, I I really struggled. I think I stopped and started this movie like three or four times to get over the first hour hump. Oh, the first hour is the movie. rough. I honestly, first hour and fifteen minutes is rough. Like this movie I, I gets good in like once, the last ten. <laughs> once it gets to Big Galgi, and then you've got the evil Dark Knight kind of plotting against them. You know, basically those plot points from the original Pogatsari. Uh, it's done interesting enough that I was, you know, captivated. You got the the drama of the the young Prince Davin being revealed because I guess people just took him as a commoner. <laughs> yeah, like, and I, and I, I love I, that they I love that they didn't 
prolong the oh so now julia's mad at him because he lied she's she gets over oh, yeah. it. oh yeah that's that's fine yeah I'm once like, again good. she's a well well-written character well-rounded yeah, no, any being. other movie that would have been a a, a <laughs> rom-com plot point that half the movie he's got to reprove himself well, i only got like 20 minutes of the movie at that point but but that's know, my they, favorite they, is when he re- is revealed by the um the librarian a librarian or court's note taker whatever it is they're just like well hang him Describe. too <laughs> put the put him up on the noose as well <laughs> yeah they're they're really kill happy <laughs> yeah it was a lot of fun my, my like, favorite let's, let's hang an actual child that sounds yeah. fun <laughs> my, my favorite though is the 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 destruction at the end of the castle galgamesh sacrifice in the night scene basically all the last 20 minutes just works very well for me it is worth watching no 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 that first frustrating hour of the movie to kind of get to the kids. I, I don't know if I would go that far, but it certainly is a better payoff. Um, it's not punching a cat good, but it, <laughs> it, it, I, I wonder if I, I really do think it's so funny, but I, I'm not joking. I think it's a full point off for the, the music. If this movie was remastered with some better music, it would just be so inherently more watchable to me. It, it it's so funny, but watching all these kaiju movies back to back, you know, week after week, and that that is one that really sticks with you. Is when you go back to a a Toho production with a excellent score, and you're like, oh, this is just I can watch this three or four times, no problem, no skin off my back. But this one, <laughs> this one, not so much. It's <laughs> pretty rough. Rotten Tomatoes. The this has an audience score because once again. No, it didn't come out in theater, so there's no reviews really to speak of from when it came out. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes today stands at 38 percent. It's it's um, I think that's pretty fair, actually. But yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm with it. Letterboxd, it has a good deal. Uh, there's maybe some more cinephiles over there, but it has a higher score, a six point. Two on a 10 scale, it's a 3.1 there, but yeah, Gamera 2 last week only had a 3.7. So I'm like, these two movies need to be further apart on that five star scale, <laughs> you know, they're in the same, they're within a point of one another, which is like way too, too close. <laughs> this is really the end, though, of the Polgasari, Bulgasari trilogy of films you know from the original lost film that was remade as polgasari to to this one there isn't much in the way of a legacy for this film after this um but you know i, I think that's probably for the, the best that this yeah, isn't i'm, I'm this fine with doesn't that. have that good of a or uh, much of a legacy because i feel like if it did it would be as a terrible movie like zarkor and in a decade where zarkor came out a year after that movie came out uh, where that movie has more of a following than this movie and is more in the, the kaiju zeitgeist. I think you're, you're in trouble <laughs> and I think our scores will relate to that. Miles. Yeah, uh, I think they might. What, what's your personal enjoyment for <clears throat> Galgameth? My personal enjoyment is really low. Um, it's, I mean, for all the reasons we've discussed, this movie is a tough watch. If you saw it as a kid, I could see you being maybe mildly entertained if you know it's I, raining and you had nothing else to do and you didn't have video games. It would um, be I'd be hard pressed even as a child to have 
finish this. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I cut my teeth on watching, you know, dubbed Godzilla films on the sci-fi channel. So, well, actually, you know what I watched a great deal in the 90s was like Xena Warrior Princess and Hercules. And for some reason, those could keep my attention. But this has a yeah, very well, those similar. Are good. Well, this has a very similar production value. You know, we um, but it, yeah, it does this, and it doesn't. Um, it doesn't have the charm of the the Raimi esque characters. <laughs> well, it's not even that. I mean, it one. I mean, if this movie had good writing and mm-hmm. all around solid or self aware acting, this would be a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Even with um, Galgi as he is, I mean that 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 goes a long way. And both Zena and Hercules had some solid writing. Some really solid actors involved. They, they had they had a lot a lot of good stuff in that stew, and I'm I'm I have a pretty soft spot for a lot of that that syndicated '90s science fiction. But yeah, not not for me here. Um, I think this is a pretty tough watch. I think it's while there are amusing moments, it's one of those things where yeah, I would only tell you to watch it one if we had nothing else bad to watch. <laughs> um, and that that's how that's pretty much it. Uh, this is a four. I think this is a, a subpar movie. I, I I don't think it's as egregious as other things that we've watched, but it's it's pretty bad and it's not a lot of fun to watch. Even though you could hear me just delight to watch this terrible CGI monster sucker punch a cat because it's <laughs> pretty hilarious. Yeah. What, what about you, bud? I'm I'm a lot more kinder to it because shocker. Of- the second half of the the film, I, I was in four or five territory in the the first half for sure. If this movie was just the first hour, there was nothing really keeping me there. But I, like I said, so much, and we'll talk about it in the technical aspects, was great there. It it saved a lot of my viewing experience. This, I mean. I, I still don't think this is like the best worst kaiju movie, unfortunately. No. Like the best bad one to watch is is still Yeti. <laughs> I mean, Yeti, I hated that one too. <laughs> Yeti is so so great. Giant of the 20th century is still the the best worst <laughs> kaiju film. But yeah, this this one I think it would be fun to watch with with friends. Um I'm giving it a six out of ten. I think it was just Ooh. barely good, it is really right there on the the cusp. But I'll talk about that in in the technical score, because, I mean, part of my enjoyment is just how crazy in the first place that this movie exists at all. And and watching Polgasari is kind of the same perverse enjoyment of of that. The fact that that movie was made in the circumstances it was made in and it came to existence and we got to see it and it wasn't a lost film is crazy. Double that because they did it again and they made it a children's, you know, VHS film is is just bonkers that that happened and that we get to watch it and talk about it, you know, t- almost 30 years later. Um, My technical score for this movie is a five out of ten. I think that you can see whatever they spend on this film's production budget a great deal in various parts of the film. They do. As good a job as they probably could with the pseudomation, the special effects for the film, the location. We didn't even really talk about it. It was shot on location in a in, in Romania. And I guess, you know, kind of historic shooting locales that 
you know, the, it's where they the, the kind of part of the world they would go to to start filming Game of Thrones a couple decades later to get that kind of old world Europe vibe. So I was I was surprised by that because I, I really I could have sworn like a, a, any other production like this, you would think it would just be like Northern California, you know, <laughs> they would just right. be like, oh, yeah, there were giant redwoods in, in medieval England. <laughs> But yeah, the the script is is so plain Jane, the acting very hand fisted in, in, in parts. The movie does stagger to a stop at multiple points with some pretty incredible moments. Um, I was asking you before we started recording how they make the joke that the prince is a royal pain in the ass multiple times and i don't think it was supposed to be a call but i think they just kind of forgot in the script that they had already made that joke and so they do it again um but yeah the the music is such an abomination it brings my whole score down for both personal enjoyment and i think the technical like a full point so i'm giving it a five out of ten for the the technical what about you miles i'd actually right there with you um i do think the technical deserves Five out of 10, despite a lot of bad things I have to say about it. I think, you know, some people certainly showed up for work and and made an effort. You have good people around there. Um, and there's some decent scenes. Like you said, the, the nighttime scenes at the very end are solid. There's some solid destruction scenes when he's, mm-hmm. you know, tearing it at the the hey, castle and everything. I felt bad for Gal- Galgi's death, you know, his sacrifice at the end. I felt. It's yeah, it's certainly really a, a little bit more satisfying than the end of Pogasar. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's like what's happening? It's a spirit. But, there, but there's also so much. I mean, the script is terrible. The music is an it's absolutely abysmal. Um, and a lot of the main actors are not very good. Even the actors who are good, because the dialogue's so bad, or because they just didn't have another take. Everyone just. I feel like I'm watching a production for public broadcasting if that makes any sense steven mocked was great as as the the villain in the movie but he was a car he was a cartoon you know yeah and it didn't feel like that was well it also the problem was it felt like he was playing a cartoon and typically i like i like when they're when when an actor like that but just regularly hams it up so they mm. feel like a cartoon. And to me, it felt like he was like, oh, I'm going. Car- I mean, this guy purposefully went cartoonish because this guy has like a doctorate in English literature. This dude knows what he's doing. Well, yeah, um, it, it, it just doesn't seem like that's what the movie wanted him to be. They right, wanted him to be like a scary villain. And it's like, well, pick a lane, you know, a hundred percent. And yeah, so I, I'm with you. Like th- there there are elements that that work here. But I mean, everything that this movie has going on for it is just kind of the absolute mid um like oh. even even when it's good it's just okay but everything else is just dragging it down <laughs> for for mid well what about it's it's final scoring it's evocative nature where's this land in kind of the the kaiju I, universe i mean I, it doesn't really i mean i understand that it's a remake of pogasari but like it doesn't feel like it's evocative of any any well well thought of kaiju film it doesn't it's it's certainly not one that that anyone ever cites or brings up like this is a movie that that i think that if i hadn't done this podcast i would have never heard of um yeah. <laughs> well polkasari is already like a very notorious 
but it's like a very unknown film. Yeah, it's it's know? still a deep cut. <laughs> it, very if you're, much so. if you're in the weeds of the kaiju world, yeah, it's super notorious. Otherwise, it's <clears throat> it's already a deep cut. So an American TV kid movie remake of it is certainly just, a deep cut. Just it's the deepest of cuts. But yeah, it feels like it's it's the exact opposite. Whereas, but Pol- nothing Polisari feels is, kaiju uh, about this movie, really. Yeah, I mean it's it's got a a a giant monster with a lot of special powers and things that eventually yeah, topples like, buildings. It still doesn't feel like a kaiju. I I mean I will say in the element of fantasy kaiju movies, this kaiju is pretty much right at home. Of all the the ones we've seen from you know Daim, Daimajin and, and things like that, but I I mean. But like the it's, film itself just doesn't it's not evocative of any of the things that like we well it the medieval setting in kind of like a European very white universe doesn't have a tradition for that kind of giant monster. They keep calling him a dragon, but well, he doesn't that, look that, like that is a, that is the European tradition is yeah, the, the giant monster. They doesn't have look like dragons. a dragon. No, it does not look like a dragon. <laughs> it doesn't look at all but, like a dragon. So and, and, that, and that's I, the problem is they. I feel again, and this is this is on the fault of the writer and the director for not understanding the story that they didn't really adapt that aspect to it because they could have made more of a dragon movie and it would have at least been more kaiju adjacent. I would be I would be very interested in that. But yeah, I give them wings at the very least. Right? Yeah, but even even Diamond, I mean, and, and I, as much as I enjoyed those movies and I very much did. They still did more to lean into the kaiju film aspects of it. And this one just doesn't yeah. really doesn't offer anything. It doesn't. I mean, if he had at least felt like Godzilla or something, then I could have at least given it maybe a little bit of a point. But it doesn't feel like a kaiju film. It remakes a movie I already hated. Um, it, it it offers very little to me. I'm giving it a four. It's so hard coming off of. Um, another amazing Gamera film to, to go back to this, just like when we went to, to, to Zarkor, I'm giving it a four as well. It really just feels out of place in, in the Kaiju canon. I will say, I think watching this back to back with Polgasari would be the way to watch either of those movies, because I think this can, the, the bubblegumness of this movie can kind of wash the 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 foul taste of Polgasari out of your mouth, and then also you want something to 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 chase Polgasari with, perhaps. Um, yeah, having having a Ninja Turtle head instead of a demon one didn't really work for me. the The body shape is definitely Godzilla inspired, but with giant like spiky turtle shell shoulder pads which was certainly certainly a look but yeah i'm i'm right there with you four out of ten for for its evocative nature which brings our scores to a a sweltering five for me and a a low four for you and that means our podcast final is just double checking here (laughs) the lowest of uh the season outside of zarkor a four out of 10 for the podcast we're out of 10 yeah it's our course still did worse <laughs> i don't I mean, know why yeah, I, I'm, I'm i don't know why that. i checked that but yeah our <laughs> core got a two from us so we're doubling up there little little exhausting to <laughs> finish talking about this one um if you are one of the 
20 or so people listening to this right now <laughs> and one of you has seen Galgameth and wants to talk about Galgameth with us uh you can email us at kaiju versus history at gmail.com find us on your social medias at kaiju versus history rate and review our show whenever you listen to podcast and if you want to see all of our reviews in one tidy little place that's that'll be our letterbox account at kaiju versus history uh you you can also see what movies will be coming up on the show but right now i gotta turn to you miles to to ask you what are we doing next week on the show uh all right thank you patrick and thank you listeners and we're gonna catch you next week when it's back to japan and while the godzilla series is through that doesn't mean that toho is out of the daikaiju film business as it's time for a giant butterfly to get their time to shine in their own solo series. That's right. Tune in next week for History versus Rebirth of Mothra.